it's the difference between commerce, you know, and the economy growing and not. Hey there, and welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I am Lisa Gonzalez. This week, Hunter Newby, founder and CEO of Allied Fiber, returns to talk with Chris. If you caught our last interview with Hunter, you'll recall their conversation about the benefits of the carrier-neutral network model offered by Allied Fiber. In this interview, Chris and Hunter delve deeper into the concept of fiber as real estate and how that concept may be expanded to bring better connectivity to every user, government, business, and residential. As connectivity quickly becomes more entrenched in our everyday activities, we need to recognize that a variety of models are available. There's no one-size-fits-all for local communities. Hunter and Allied Fiber offer one possible example and a launching point for future approaches. Here are Chris and Hunter Newby from Allied Fiber. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm back with Hunter Newby, the CEO and founder of Allied Fiber. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Great to be back. So today we're going to pick up where we left off a little bit. Uh, Previously, we were speaking about your approach to backhaul this uh, fiber as real estate uh, carrier neutral type facilities. And today we're going to be applying that more to uh, local governments, communities where they have residents they want to connect rather than solving a a backhaul type problem. And seeing as how we're recording this in the middle of the summer, um, thinking of movie blockbusters, I was thinking we could start by talking about if we had a city that was destroyed by an alien invasion that as inventive humans we beat back, and then we had to rebuild that city. What would we be doing in terms of having uh, installing fiber and conduit at, at the beginning of rebuilding this city to make sure that everyone had the best opportunity to access the internet? Well, that is pretty inventive. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if, if if you look at it from a clean slate perspective, and you're going to do city planning these days, there's a couple of examples around the world. Um, if we're going to start everything. Um, in a buried sense, you basically build a physical distribution system that has um, junction points, access points, um, and, and a core, and uh, at the very least, two points for uh, interconnection physically um, where equipment would reside uh, for the purposes of lighting, quote-unquote, a network. Uh, and I'd also go so far as to say that um, there should be two data center type structures as well. In, the, in terms of the body, in a biological sense, the difference between the heart and, and the brain and where they sit in your body, um, you're going to build physical infrastructure that sort of mimics that. And built according really to initially the size of the market, but then of course something that is modular and can scale uh, according to how many more people and businesses and whatnot, devices um, move in and appear in that area. So that's where you start. Uh, you're describing the physical way we would build a network to make sure that anyone could offer services, that we would have multiple service providers uh, connecting so that uh, residents and businesses you know, wouldn't be locked into anyone just because they happen to own the infrastructure. I think that's the conceptual framework. If you look at what, what they've attempted to do in Australia with the NBN, um, you know, there's two components really. There's the fiber component, and then there's the, let's call it generically the co-location component. Um, in the perfect scenario, which would which would be clean slate, which is the Australia NBN example, I think would be the largest and probably the best as in modern day. 
you have to build the fiber and the exchanges and own all that infrastructure, and it all has to be neutral. It has to be run as real estate. So, correct. What you just said is this is predicated on the basis that this is all neutral infrastructure. Um, it's built, um, but there has to be an entity that you know designs it, and then one that builds it, administers it, maintains it, and runs it as real estate. And you know the municipality, um, the city itself could do this, uh, or they could actually hire someone to do this. That's something we've talked about for a while, the idea that um, for us at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, we think the municipality should own it, but we don't care that much who operates it, to be frank. The the owner is who makes the decisions, and that's where you have to make sure the owner can't be co-opted by the incumbent providers effectively. Um, but fundamentally, you can have anyone operate it. I mean, you want to have someone certain who's competent, who's going to make sure that it's operated well, and you want to have a recurring contract so you have sort of, you know, some um, some – so that you have some ability to uh, make sure that they have an incentive to keep doing a good job. Um, but effectively, it needs to be owned by someone who cannot be co-opted by Wall Street, I think, is, is ultimately what it comes down to. We're talking about physical layer infrastructure, and we're talking about an entity that would manage and administer the physical layer, meaning what we're not talking about is coming up with a design for infrastructure that then the municipality goes out and says, well, I own the infrastructure, but I hire someone to come in and build and run a broadband network. There's another step beyond the manager of, of the physical fiber in Colo, and that is then who lights that fiber all the way to the home uh, or the business. There could be multiple providers of competitive lift transport there could be multiple transport providers to businesses in a community. There, depending on the size of the community, there really can't be multiple triple play providers to the home, especially not to compete to go to the same home. And the reason for that is that whoever builds the fiber to the home wants to also be the provider of the lit services. That, those, that provider, that single provider, should not then also be the manager of the fiber. And there's a reason for that. Because they're inherently not neutral. Right. Verizon would say in conferences often when, uh, I remember years ago when people would bring up open access and Fios, Verizon would say, look, our strategy is to own the customer. You own the line, you own the customer. That's what we want to do. And you can read into that basically. We can treat that customer however we want to because we own the customer. And that's why you need to bifurcate physical infrastructure as real estate from services. Any entity that's going to come in and manage that physical infrastructure cannot be in the lit service business. The best of breed is what's going to serve the community best. I don't have a problem with a cable company or a telephone company that comes in and pays to build all the infrastructure saying it's theirs if that's the franchise that they got. But it's proven now through multiple examples in different states. The incumbent providers have gone to the state legislatures and made it either illegal or next to impossible for the municipalities to fund through bonds any infrastructure or any providers, even themselves as broadband providers that are competitive to those franchise holders. That's a catch-22. You know, now you've got somebody that's sitting there saying, well, I'm the provider because I paid for the infrastructure. No other can exist. But the level of service that they provide is, you know, beyond subpar, and, and it's too expensive. <laughs> so right. how do you break that logjam? You, know, you break it by not getting into it in the first place. That changes the game, and it's all to the benefit of the municipality. 
from economic development and productivity and job growth, and then ultimately people and taxes, which is really where the muni guys want to make their money. They want to make the tax base strong and grow it. And the best way to do that today in this century uh, is through communications infrastructure. So basically, when you're, when you're talking about this, this approach, this is something we haven't really seen in the United States, right? Because utopia kind of comes close, but in, you're really talking about a three-layer kind of model, the way I understand it, which is more like Stockholm. Uh, Utopia has sort of a two-layer model. The the cities own and operate the network effectively, and they, they lease it to wholesalers who do everything else. In Stockholm, you have the city owns and operates the network as real estate at the bottom level, and then you have a middle level of independent entities, some of which actually are, in, are, are other non-related entities owned by the city, and some, I think, are maybe private, and they... Um, they operate at sort of this this middleman kind of level, and then there's a third layer that actually does the the, the connecting of of residents and uh, mostly apartment buildings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Where you're really talking about, you really mean real estate. You're not talking about doing the open access type stuff. That would be a, a second, uh, um, probably entity contracted by the city. Yeah, I really mean real estate, and it gets more challenging as you get closer to the home itself. Because how many fiber providers are you going to have building to a single home? <laughs> you know, one, maybe two, the cable company and the incumbent telco. But in any scenario, it doesn't really pay to have to build fiber to every single home if those providers are all going to have to compete with each other and also provide that fiber to others behind them as open access. Nobody would want that job. But that is the role of the municipality, I think because they're the ones that have control the right of way. And if they could figure out how to build the infrastructure in the same way that they build a sewer and they build a water line to a house or whatever, that it's the same thing. But you have to always protect it as physical infrastructure and, as you said, not let it get corrupted by the providers of the lit services that then come in and try and sign some deal and say, well, now I own that physical path. No, you don't. You know, you're a provider over it and we'll lease some of the facilities to you, but if you're not doing a good enough job, then we can bring in someone else. Now, of course, the service providers don't necessarily like that. So this is all about control. And the way to take control back and put it in the hands of the municipalities and then the states and then obviously on the national level, this all needs to be connected, which is what Allied Fiber does. Um, they, you have to have physical layer independence. The municipalities can do the same exact thing that we're doing. And then, as a matter of fact, that's how we interplay with them. The municipalities that stand to gain the most, the soonest, are the ones that sit right along our route because they can append their local network to our long-haul network. And now there's an on-ramp, off-ramp to the superstructure. So not only can they reach the outside world and go places, but the outside world can get to them and get into their community. And that's really where you start to see the power of this. Everybody talks about community development, economic development, and they think about it wrongly, I think, very quickly in terms of broadband and triple play. And that, that is important. That's something that you have to get the, for the people at home. They, they have to have that. Um, but it's who's going to provide that? Who's going to provide that level of service? Who's going to build that infrastructure, as I've been describing? And the, what do they really want to do? But if you're building fiber in a community, you've just built an island, basically. And if you can't figure out how to connect the dark fibers that you've built in that community to another 
type of provider of dark fiber, but on the same terms, reasonable rates and terms, then how is anybody going to be able to get to your local fiber? And then how are you really going to be able to attract a data center or large data centers? These are the pieces that a lot of people don't connect in their mind. And part of it, too, from, from the community perspective and counties and whatnot, is that they're confined to their own jurisdiction. They're not allowed to leave their jurisdiction, so they can't think outside of those lines. And that's where Allied Fiber comes in. We break through those lines, and we're going to cut through counties that the county will be able to basically connect into us in a couple of different places at the very least and associate physically their local fiber system into our long-haul fiber system. And that's how thoroughfare... Is there a certain number that a community should have in mind in terms of the number of carrier-neutral facilities it should have if it has 25,000 people, 50,000 people, you know, 500,000 people? Is there a rule of thumb? You know, <clears throat> at least one. <laughs> <laughs> right. One is, one is the best way to start, right? <laughs> one. Just one. And then go from there. And once you have one, then you know how many more you need. So many people have been indoctrinated into the public Internet mindset and the cloud, which is beyond that mindset, where it's just everywhere and it's, you know, it's, it's all over the place. You don't realize that there's a physical layer under that that drives all of that. And no one, know, no one knows where it is. No one really sees it. It's there, but they don't understand it. There was a fiber cut in the Midwest at one point, and some towns were cut off. And I remember reading the article about it saying they thought they were doing well because they had bought from two different providers fiber paths, and they didn't realize that they were in the same trench. And so they right. thought that they were redundant, and they were not. <laughs> and they always find out after something breaks or something goes wrong. And there's a physical network sense that something breaks and something goes wrong. And guess what? There's a business model sense where something breaks and something goes wrong. And we're there in a lot of states in this country right now. Something is broken and people can't put their finger on it. And the reason why is because they think the Internet should be open and the Internet should be free and the Internet should be this and the Internet should be that. And what they don't realize is that the network providers that control physical access, the path to the Internet, are the ones that make the rules and set the rates. That's no different than Rockefeller did with Standard Oil. He controlled the rate of freight on the only rail lines, and that's how he controlled the entire oil industry. So if I'm a, if I'm a city manager and I'm trying to figure out what, what I should be doing, uh, let me roll this out for you and, and see if you would agree. Um, I'm going to be trying to figure out how to get conduit and fiber from my residential areas, uh, You know, ideally touching the house, but maybe in the meantime I'm getting partially there and I'll finish up later. But, but I want to get basically fiber from the homes to some sort of aggregate point. And ideally that'll be a point where maybe I have a school or I have some sort of facility where – in the future, I may want to put a carrier-neutral facility there. But for now, I, I want to aggregate that, and then I want to have fiber running from that aggregation point um, back to some sort of other central location where maybe I have my first carrier-neutral facility. Uh, and so I want to basically, you know, I want to have these sort of corridors where I have uh, my fiber trunks going to aggregation points and then figuring out how to have fiber that then goes out and hits my businesses and residents and that sort of thing so that over time I can scale and I have something to offer multiple different providers. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's examples of this. I'll give you one. Access Ontario in Ontario County, New York, uh, came out of the great 
it's called the uh, Finger Lakes uh, Regional Development Corporation. It was a like like, like a local mini bond funded thing. It's a good example because they started off by building just a fiber ring. It was meant to be used by anybody. So they were leasing fiber pairs to telephone companies, cable companies, the utility company, the wireless carriers. Great. And it became the core that you're referring to. And then ultimately other things came into append to it, like triple play providers, because that's what the fiber is there for. It's for entities to use. And because it exists and it's administered by an independent entity, it, it drives economic development. Right. I think Verizon's actually using that. Yeah, they are. Verizon, Time Warner Telecom, and that's years old now. But what I would suggest, really, is the do-it-yourself way, which is what you're describing. A really good place to go is the Fiber to the Home Council website. They have a really great toolkit, is what they call it, which is this tutorial on how to do all the things that I was just talking about. There are actually entities out there in the world today that will come to your community and build you a dark fiber infrastructure, as I've just described it, and specifically not light it. Um, and this is where independence uh, comes from in an economic sense, is the physical fiber infrastructure needs to be independent, just like the roads are independent. Could you imagine if Ford or Chevy owned the road and you couldn't drive a Honda on the road or a Nissan on the road or, or vice versa? Yeah, you certainly wouldn't see Elon Musk building Tesla Motors, that's for sure. Right. And Tesla exists because the roads are neutral. And I believe that physical air independence, physical air infrastructure that's treated as real estate, which is something the munis should get because they deal with buildings and rights of way all the time. Well, treat fiber and, and integrated neutral co-location in the same way and then have an entity that's trustworthy and smart enough to come in and administer that physical fiber and colo to network service providers and network operators and then everything will work out, just like it has with the highways and just like it has with you know, every other structure that's similar. So if we were to sum up our conversation, I think, or even sum up, I think, your driving force, it would be, hey, the physical stuff really matters. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's there. For a lot of people, it might not be sexy. You know, it's not an app. It's not a link on a, on a phone or whatever, but it really matters. I mean, if you look at Chairman Sun from Sprint, you know, SoftBank, who's, who's now Chairman Sprint, um, you know, he said this just a few weeks ago on the BBC about the infrastructure in the U.S. He said, I cannot believe that Americans live this way. And people here don't realize just how bad our wireless infrastructure is. And the wireless infrastructure is 100% connected and reliant on the physical fiber infrastructure. The lack of it is what handicaps us. There's spectrum everywhere, but you can't put up antennas on towers if you don't have the backhaul. Right. And copper, back, co copper backhaul does not work for LTE. These are facts. And this is technical, and it's, oh boy, this is all technical stuff. It's really not. <laughs> it's the difference between commerce, you know, and the economy growing, and not. And there's a reason. And Chairman Sun put his finger on it, because he just bought Sprint. And he basically said, the whole Sprint fiber network is shot. The whole country needs a massive overhaul in terms of infrastructure. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on this show and, and helping us drive this a little bit closer to uh, the home. And, uh, and let's hope that we can get a better conversation going in terms of, of a future where we treat fiber as real estate. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for the time, Chris. Learn more about the concept of fiber as real estate from our June 24, 2014 conversation with Hunter Newby on the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Community Nets. Thank you again to Waylon Thornton for the music. The song is Bronco Romp, and it's licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. 